Hi everybody, Shabri Bird here with Quantum Agriculture Podcast. I'm sitting here in Langley, where are we? Whidbey Washington. Island, Washington, Washington State, uh, with Ronlin Schwartz, an absolutely beautiful biodynamic gardener and a retired Waldorf and Eurythmy teacher. And I'm asking her about her experience at Emerson College. So, and what year? It was uh, 1973-74, really in, in Emerson's heyday, I think, and uh, people from all over the world, which it was just a new, very new experience for me. I had uh, attended a, a lecture by Francis Edmonds in Falls Church, Virginia, the year before, and uh, was fascinated by it. I was in my second year of, of college and had first heard about uh, Rudolf Steiner and Waldorf education when I was 15 and was quite fascinated by it. So I had a lot of questions and had tried to read uh, some of Steiner's books and I would start to read them and I, my eyes would go cross-eyed because <laughs> I just really couldn't quite get what, what this was all about. And I, but I knew it was very important. There was something very important behind all this. So uh, the day after uh, Francis Edmonds' lecture, I was able to go for an interview to, um, to see about going to Emerson College. It had been mentioned what, to where me. Where is Emerson? What? Oh, Emerson is in Forest Row, Sussex, England. Um, beautiful rather sleepy village in the Sussex countryside. Um, and the opposite, opposite side of the village is in the oldest English-speaking Waldorf school, uh, Michael Hall. Beautiful setting as well. So I had an interview with Edmonds, and he said, well, you know, you would be young by our standards. We usually only take people when they're 21 or older, and as it was, I would, I would be turning 21 at Emerson. Said, but but um, we make exceptions, and in your case, we'll make an exception. So I was able to take, to take the foundation year as a third year abroad um, situation, and receive credit for it, which is extraordinary, for my degree. The, I, and I went. To, I wanted to go to Emerson because I wanted to experience it. I wanted to be in a living situation where these concepts were put into practice, especially you know biodynamic agriculture. I got uh, Herbert Cook was. How do you spell his last name? K O E P H. Um, he was teaching the agriculture course. Agriculture teacher train BD teacher train uh, BD training, and just he was so deeply connected with the the in anything to do with soil things growing. He uh, Tablehurst Farm at Emerson College connected with Emerson College had these beautiful Sussex cattle. With their with their horns, beautiful kind of deep reddish brown, that 
they were good for beef and dairy. Yep, I know. They're like a Dexter almost. Oh, they were just so beautiful. And I would just go up there and watch them sometimes. And would, uh, in the afternoons, in the, in the spring and the summer term, in the, or the winter and the summer and spring term, I, I helped up on the farm in the afternoons three times a week because I just loved it. It was wonderful. And stirring the, the BD preps, uh, stirring 500, was huge wooden barrel with a pole suspended from it. And Catherine Costellas looking over my shoulder as I did it, making sure I did it absolutely completely correctly. So I was, you know, very definitely corrected about how I was doing it and how that the vortex must go all the way down to the bottom and it's very, 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 very quick, and then to switch it around to turn it in on itself slowly, and it was, it was, it was fascinating. It was wonderful, and just helping with the harvest in the fall, you know, early on in the year with the uh, potatoes and the carrots. Everyone was out um, helping to to harvest our Michaelmas, and I had never heard of Michaelmas before as an American, and in England it used to be uh, a, a real holiday, Michaelmas Goose, and Michaelmas Daisies. I fell, fell in love with Michaelmas Daisies. And, um, you know, I just didn't understand the whole concept of Michael. And actually it was quite trouble. I, I was part of a, um, part of a little a singing group, and we were singing songs for Michaelmas. And that, you know, Michael, Angel Bright, etc. And I went to Francis Edmonds and was quite concerned. You know, there's all this about Michael, where is the Christ in in this in Antiposophy? Is it all focused on Michael? All I hear about is Michael. And he smiled, this just wonderful, deep smile, and said, Well, Michael is the countenance of Christ. And just we had a conversation about it, and it just led me on a path to kind of attempt to understand this being of Michael a bit more deeply. Um, so when I was at Emerson, I also um, had a strong connection with John Davy, wonderful person. And he taught. Oh, what did he teach? I mean, he taught so many. He was uh, vice principal. Uh, Edmonds was the principal, and John Davy was the vice principal. And, you know, I can't remember exactly what he taught at Emerson. You know, he stepped in to do all different kinds. He just such a, a very capable person. He had been the science editor for The Observer and received an OBE. The Queen for his work in, in science, and I was part of a study group that he led on um, the kingdoms of nature. And we would have outings, we would go out. I remember driving with him in his car, I was in the, in the front seat of this little, this little bitty car, and it was raining, and he very rarely would turn the windshield wipers on. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, okay, if you can see, that's wonderful. And we were heading down to, um, I realize now, down to Berlin Gap, 
which is uh, between Brighton and Eastbourne on the Sussex coast. So you could see the three sisters, those chalk cliffs mm. from there. And there's a flint, there are cottages and farmsteads with, they're made completely of flint rock. And they're uh, fossils, layers of flint and a few fossils in, in a line in, in these chalk cliffs. So we would go down and we observed the rock pools, what was living in the rock pools and the sea anemones and, you know, just experienced it in, in situ and uh, and it was it stopped raining, it was a gorgeous, sunny, breezy day and um, the quintessential England somehow. And you studied also in um, Olive Witcher was there. Olive Witcher, yes. What age was she at that time? Oh, heavens. She seemed very old at the time, but then she went to live very much longer. So I don't know how old she was. And what did you, well, what did she teach? Projective geometry. And the point, I just remember, you know, illustrating the point of infinity. And it just these mind-boggling concepts which I have never considered before. I'm not naturally a mathematical person, but this put the geometry and the whole con different concepts of space in a completely different light. You know, the point, the plane, and her just exquisite drawings, and then discovering uh, you know, on the on walls there were her illustrations of her her book, The Plant Between Sun and Earth, which are just so exquisite and you know, such a deep understanding of uh, kind of concepts of infinity and their and the, the expression of form on the earth and the periphery and the periphery, just, yeah, yeah, the periphery, absolutely the periphery. And she also did uh, spatial dynamics, which I, I did also. Paul Matthews, the poet, was apprenticing under her with spatial dynamics. And she would, it would be in the, in the, the main hall. She would be perched up on a, a table. She had to kind of, kind of, kind of would lightly leap onto a chair and then onto the table and do these, I mean, she hardly, hardly experienced gravity in a way. She just was held and she put her arms out to the side. It was, she was definitely held by something else. She was, you know, in the plane of infinity, you know, the periphery, twinkling at her fingers. It was extraordinary. And she would jump and leap and on this kind of rickety table and we would all hold our breath and hope nothing terrible would happen, but it never did. She was, it was extraordinary. She was the partner of George Adams, who translated Steiner's work into English. She was. What? Well, she was. And now, and, and John Wilkes? John Wilkes. I, um... Explain who he is, so. Well, he's a sculptor extraordinaire. Um, so I, I, in the afternoons, you could choose kind of an activity to do, artistic activity, and I did sculpture um, for two terms, because I was, it was just so 
deeply, deeply fascinating to me. This work with you know, movement, the development of kind of of movement of form or the reading form and how it metamorph the metamorphosis of form. Just extraordinary. And at the time he was developing the rebella flow forms. And he had studied with Schwang? Or I don't know. I'm not sure who Jennifer has Jennifer Green. Jennifer Green studied. She was when I was at Emerson, Jennifer Green was there. I can't I think she might have been in the foundation year or she was doing the agriculture course. Studying or studying. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I she can't. was a student there. Oh yeah. I can't Somehow remember I never think of doing. Doing. being the position of a student. And Van James was studying art with Anne Stockton and you know Kurt Falk. They were, that was before Tobias School of Art was founded. And I just remember Van James. I mean, he, you know, definitely punky. I mean, the, the hair, the whole style, attitude. <laughs> Very definitely. How many students a were in this foundation course, this foundation year? Oh my, there might have been 80. That's a big class. 60, 80? It was big. Wow. It yeah. was big. There were a lot of people that were missing. I said it was in its... And the Eurythmy? Elizabeth Edmonds and um, Molly Von Heider. Oh, but maybe Elizabeth Edmonds didn't. I can't remember if she was teaching in the Eurythmy training. She must have. But Molly Von Heider certainly was teaching it. There was Eurythmy training at Emerson for a while. And I did, I mean, I loved you with me. I had a background in modern dance, folk dance, yoga, and Elizabeth Edmonds in the, the, in the summer term kind of pulled me aside and said, uh, have you considered doing training to be Eurythmist? And I kind of inwardly leapt back several paces and thought, oh my gosh, you know, that's a four-year full-time training and I haven't even finished my my bachelor's degree yet, I have to go back to the States and finish that. I have another year to finish that, and then I don't know what exactly is going to happen. I can't really commit myself to that. But it planted a little seed there, which then 12 years later, when my marriage was breaking up... You lived in England during that whole 12 years then? Yeah. After Emerson, you ended up moving... After Emerson, I went back to the States, got married, and then we moved to, to Forest Road, and my former husband was a class teacher at Michael Hall. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he English? No. No. But he had to work on the English accent because children didn't did not know what an odd number was. <laughs> it had to be odd. He was Massachusetts? No, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. Wow. Odd number. So, uh, yeah. Where, so where then, did you get your rhythmic training then? At Herador. Where was that? That's in East Winston, which is uh, near Forest Row. East Winston is near the end of one of the lines from Victoria Station. And uh, yes, I am. So I ended up doing, completing a rhythm training, which I never, ever would have imagined at all. You know, just never know. Yeah. And then went on to teach at uh, Winston's in Gloucestershire, which was wonderful. 
and Winstein's is, a, is just a, a, a wonderful Waldorf school. Um, it's just more in the country, uh, not as affluent as Michael Hall, um, you know, down to earth, more down to earth in my in my sense of it, and just wonderful people. I mean, wonderful people, of course, at Michael Hall, but um, I just had more of a soul connection, perhaps, with these people mm -hmm. in this school. And you're with me, you were teaching that around the country, or just in that school? No, or? no, just at Winston's. Wow. And before, before I started teaching at Winston's, I taught in a couple of uh, kindergartens, in one in... Uh, Cambridge Wells in Kent, nearby, and another up at uh, in Sharpthorne at Hurley Hill. And then you became a Waldorf teacher. You got your Waldorf teacher's education. I did not do a Waldorf teacher training. In a way, I I uh, I helped my former husband a lot. I oh, he was a Waldorf. Trainer. He was a Waldorf. He, he did his Waldorf teacher training in Detroit. And I helped him with a lot of his artwork and a lot of other things. And, you know, our children went through Waldorf education. I, before I did the teacher, the Waldorf, the Rhythmy uh, training, I was uh, assistant in Erica Grantham's playgroup at Michael Hall for a year and a half, which was wonderful. And, she, you know, we studied together every morning. That usually the having to do with the four seasons and the archangels and it was it was a wonderful thing to do. Um, so I then you know taught you with me, and I guess I had been so so fascinated by Waldorf education for so many years and being vicariously involved through my former husband that it was not a very big leap because I you know I did the foundation year I was a member of this I became a member of the school of spiritual science so the concepts of the you know the the, the being of man of human of human being um, was not alien to me at all I was familiar with that and so I did uh, a little week-long preparation course um, in the summer before, actually no, it's not true, because I just jumped into teaching first grade. And then I did it, the preparation for teaching second grade in Sacramento, which was wonderful, wonderful. So I that's did, before my summer college? It was that's a where Susan went. Yeah. It was, and it was just refreshing. The kind of a, a, a the West Coast approach. Yeah. Um, As compared to the English. English and East Coast. Yeah. Really more willing to um, you know, look at where it is that you are teaching and the cultural the culture of where of where where you're teaching and what is relevant for the time that we're in and, you know, just really looking at, you know, not just the old Steiner said this, Steiner said that, mm. the, and the stock market curriculum, 
um, but relating it to where the, where the world was, where the world is at the time, I, I really appreciated it. And when did you take on your first class? Well, I moved, I lived in England 26 years and moved back to the United States in January 2000. Took the first nine to five job I had had since forever. You know, going home and being able to do something else, not prepare lessons. I mean, that was extraordinary. Um, now I was earning peanuts. I worked at a picture framers on the corner at, uh, across from UVA in Charlottesville. Um, Freeman Victorious. And uh, I've made a little connection with the, the Charlottesville Waldorf School. Um, uh, oh, what is Schaefer? Mm -hmm. What is his name? I don't remember. No. Anyway, he came to the school. The school was going through a, a bit of a kind of inward-looking, questioning, slightly crisis mode. I can think of his son's name, Thomas, and his wife, Signe. Oh, well, this is a senior moment. And so you were a class teacher there? Uh, not right away. I was part, I, they asked if, they, if I would do some eurythmy in this whole process. Perfect. So I did that and went back to my nine to five job. The first grade teacher abandoned her class mm -hmm. in March, February and March. And they were somehow making do Vivian Joan Schmidt. It was the class above and she had absorbed this little class into hers and was doing the best she could. And uh, the college, of, the chair of the College of Teachers, Chris Schaefer, sorry, yeah. Chris Schaefer, um, chair of the College of Teachers, called me and said, "You know, would you be interested in taking the class?" I said, "No." Um, and he called a second time. I said, "No, you know, it's an impossible job. I haven't done the training. Um, it's." Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at telling stories, etc., etc. And the third time, he said, okay, I will come teach a, a little sample lesson, you can observe me, and, which I did, and I fell in love with the kids. So that was it. Yeah. That's so what, I saw that's them what, through, yeah. so I then I started after Easter, after the Easter break, and so we saw the end, saw the year through, and... I went on to the second grade, with third that grade, group. with that group, third grade, and the fourth, when we, the end of third grade, the class below mine had a founder, the teacher left, and so I absorbed the class below, so we became a third, fourth grade. Um, and so I went third, fourth, fourth, fifth, fifth, sixth. And came to Atlanta. Atlanta was, uh, was Walter School was hosting, which they know how that started. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The uh, Walter Olympics. Ah. Oh. Yeah, because my class wasn't allowed to do it in, because, until it was fifth, sixth, and it was it was wonderful. They, Atlanta hosted it so beautifully. And then after after fifth, sixth grade, the it just got 
too small. Parents, some parents were deciding, you know, they, they were sending their children somewhere. It was a very small class anyway. And there were three people, three children left. And the school decided, because of this history of classes, you know, getting small and the teacher leaving, decided that they would keep the class going. It was a bit of a loss, but they would, if the parents wanted. And I was prepared to do that, to see them through eighth grade. But, you know, just socially, how, how is that for a young person entering adolescence? So I, you know, I was okay either way. Uh, class did dissolve in the end, and there was an opening in early childhood. So I jumped into that and had a class of, I guess first of all it was 16 children for a couple of years and then became chair of um, early childhood and had 18 children, mixed age between uh, three and a half and six. Oh, beautiful. And was early childhood chair. We had, it was a very, very strong early childhood program. There were three kindergartens and two um, nursery groups. So it was ten of us because each teacher had an assistant. And it was, you know, just trying to keep it organized and so on and so forth. Yeah, so that... Did you teach here? In, no, no. I have not... When you left Charlottesville, that was... When I left Charlottesville, I left Charlottesville Waldorf School in the summer of 2009. Stephen, my husband, and I had decided, we, we decided to be together and moved to Woodby Island in July 2009. Um, bought a house together and uh, it's wonderful. We have five acres. Uh, the, the, the soil, or lack thereof, is glacial moraine, so it's, you know, about creating soil, helping plants live and thrive. So I kind of put myself out to pasture, and it was possible for me to do that, which was wonderful. Well, possible for you to make gorgeous gardens, and yeah. extraordinary garlic, yeah. and, and so that's really and full time. And and can, and... Yeah. Yeah, you deserve so that's full time. <laughs> and I personally had been a Waldorf widow, which is what they called it yeah. when I was at, at uh, when yeah. my former husband was teaching, because most of the Waldorf the class teachers were men. And you just you know you never saw your husband, and it's I understand now, having been a class teacher, that it's just it's a monastic existence. Yeah. It's so incredibly demanding. You know, Susan and was just keeping up with the curriculum for the children and doing, you know, the best, giving your very best to the children. Which, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic experience. It's yeah, I know it, we were talking but about. It's, I don't know what really calls for these schools. Is not the parents or grandparents. It's the, it's children. the children. It's the children. It's my daughter Hope. Yeah. She drew drew Theo Gimble into my life, and then yeah. <laughs> Susan and, yeah. and and she was singing doorknob when they were there for that year that they visited Steiner's home. Oh really? So that oh, that yeah, they were able to tour his little house there in his cottage and huh. and and how he and Marie had separate bedrooms. Yeah. Hey, he slept in this on this cot 
in his bedroom. And I remember in well, Madison, he slept. I would imagine that was it. He hardly yeah. slept. Yeah. Um, and and I, when we were in Madison, the Anthroposophical Society had these beautiful placards saying, a day in the life of Steiner. And, you know, I had never stopped to consider Oh yeah, this unbelievable, unbelievable. unbelievable. The man was on trains did. every day of the week. Yeah, going from I mean, from what I understand, during the agriculture lecture, he was giving another lecture cycle simultaneously in another town. So he'd give the lecture in the morning, get on the train, go give the lecture there, come back to Coberwitz, and and no wonder the man died early. I mean, he just put wore himself out. He wore yeah. himself out. And what oh, it was very interesting what she was saying about how he had a bathtub mm -hmm. in his bedroom oh. and that they would fill it with hot water because he just, he, all of his body heat would leave because of his work and they had to keep him hot wow. to get enough body energy into him to continue. Oh. No, you, you don't think about these things that... I mean, this man sacrificed so much. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It's extraordinary. And just the body of work and nature of the work. Yeah. So we're all so lucky and you to have some of the world top teachers at Emerson. Yeah. It was, you know, Lucky Man, William Mann, History of Art, he did the morning course in the foundation year. Uh Kuhn von Houten, who is extraordinary, that the, the, the social um, you know, NPI, the, the threefold social order yeah. founded in the Netherlands. It, yeah, this extraordinary. I'm trying to remember the and Stephen has some background, you know, back from Chadwick. Yeah, and, and, exactly. Um, yeah. Alan Chadwick. Well, and he and Chris Bird, my late husband, they pursued these topics of discussion. And certainly Chris brought forward a lot of the Steiner book, I mean, right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Most of us, the first time we ever heard of Steiner. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and then when I was living in Forest Row, when I married and lived in Forest Row, and I, we didn't have... Start, we didn't have children until, I guess, our uh, second, third year of marriage. Two sons. And uh, I was, Forest Row, you know, it's just, it's a hotbed of anthroposophy. It's extraordinary. There's Michael Hall, Emerson College. A Christian community in Ashes Wood, which is just kind of out from Forest Row, up, up the hill. Um, Did Steiner teach in England? I think someone yeah. told me he yeah. actually lectured in he England. Hi everybody, Shabri Bird here with Quantum Agriculture Podcast. I'm sitting here in Langley, where are we? Whidbey Washington. Island, Washington, Washington State. Uh, with Ronlin Schwartz, an absolutely beautiful biodynamic gardener and a retired Waldorf and Eurythmy teacher. And I'm asking her about her experience at Emerson College. So, and what year? It was 1973-74. Uh, 
really in, in Emerson's heyday, I think. And uh, people from all over the world, which it was just a new, very new experience for me. I had uh, attended a, a lecture by Francis Edmonds in Falls Church, Virginia, the year before, and uh, was fascinated by it. I was in my second year of, of college and had first heard about uh, Rudolf Steiner and Waldorf education when I was 15 and was quite fascinated by it. So I had a lot of questions and had tried to read uh, some of Steiner's books and I would start to read them and I, my eyes would go cross-eyed because <laughs> I just really couldn't quite get what, what this was all about. And I, but I knew it was very important. There was something very important behind all this. So uh, the day after uh, Francis Edmonds' lecture, I was able to go for an interview to, um, to see about going to Emerson College. It had been mentioned and what, to where me. where is Emerson? What? Oh, Emerson is in Forest Row, Sussex, England. Um, beautiful, rather sleepy village in the Sussex countryside. Um, and the opposite, opposite side of the village is the oldest English-speaking Waldorf school, uh, Michael Hall. Beautiful setting as well. So I had an interview with Edmonds, and he said, well, you know, you would be young by our standards. We usually only take people when they're 21 or older, and as it was, I would, I would be turning 21 at Emerson. But, but um, we make exceptions, and in your case, we'll make an exception. So I was able to take, to take the foundation year as a third year abroad um, situation, and receive credit for it, which is extraordinary, for my degree. The, I, and I, went to, I wanted to go to Emerson because I wanted to experience it. I wanted to be in a living situation where these concepts are put into practice, especially you know, biodynamic agriculture. I got uh, Herbert Cook was... How do you spell his last name? K-O-E-P-H. Um, he was teaching the agriculture course, agriculture teacher training, BD teacher training, uh, BD training, and just... He was so deeply connected with the, the, in anything to do with soil, things growing. He, uh, Tablehurst Farm at Emerson College, connected with Emerson College, had these beautiful Sussex cattle with their, with their horns, beautiful kind of deep reddish brown that uh, they were good for as beef and dairy. Yep, I know. Like a Dexter almost. Oh, they were just so beautiful. And I would just go up there and watch them sometimes. And would, uh, in the afternoons, in the, in the spring and the summer term, in the, or the winter and the summer and spring term, I, I helped up on the farm in the afternoons three times a week. Because I just loved it. It was wonderful. And stirring the... The BD preps, uh, stirring 500, 
this huge wooden barrel with a pole suspended from it. And Catherine Costellas looking over my shoulder as I did it, making sure I did it absolutely completely correctly. So I was, you know, very definitely corrected about how I was doing it and how that the vortex must go all the way down to the bottom and it's very, 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 very quick, and then to switch it around to turn it in on itself slowly, and it was, it was, it was fascinating. It was wonderful, and just helping with the harvest in the fall, you know, early on in the year with the uh, potatoes and the carrots. Everyone was out um, helping to to harvest our Michaelmas, and I had never heard of Michaelmas before as an American, and in England it used to be a, a, a real holiday, Michaelmas Goose, and Michaelmas Daisies. I fell, fell in love with Michaelmas Daisies. And, um, you know, I just didn't understand the whole concept of Michael. And actually it was quite trouble. I, I was part of a, um, part of a little a singing group. And we were singing songs for Michaelmas. And, you know, Michael, Angel Bright, etc. And I went to Francis Edmonds and was quite concerned. You know, there's all this about Michael. Where is the Christ in, in this, in Antiposophy? Is it all focused on Michael? All I hear about is Michael. And he smiled, this just wonderful, deep smile, and said, well, Michael is the countenance of Christ. And just we had a conversation about it, and it just led me on a path to kind of attempt to understand this being of Michael a bit more deeply. Um, so when I was at Emerson, I also um, had a strong connection with John Davy, wonderful person. And he taught. Oh, what did he teach? I mean, he taught so many. He was uh, vice principal. Uh, Edmonds was the principal, and John Davy was the vice principal. And you know, I can't remember exactly what he taught at Emerson. You know, he stepped in to do all different kinds. He just such a, a very capable person. He had been the science editor for the Observer, and received an OBE. In the Queen for his work in, in science. And I was part of a study group that he led on um, the kingdoms of nature. And we would have outings. We would go out. I remember driving with him in his car. I was in the, in the front seat of this little, this little bitty car. And it was raining. And he very rarely would turn the windshield wipers on. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, OK, if you can see, that's wonderful. And we were heading down to, um, I realize now, down to Berlin Gap, which is uh, between Brighton and Eastbourne on the Sussex coast. So you could see the Three Sisters, those chalk cliffs mm. in there. And there's a flint. There, cottages and farmsteads with, they're made completely of flint rock. And they're uh, fossils, layers of flint and a few fossils in, in a line in, in these chalk cliffs. So we would go down and we observed 
the rock pools, what was living in the rock pools and the sea anemones and, you know, just experienced it in, in situ and the uh, whole, and it was, it stopped raining, it was a gorgeous, sunny, breezy day and um, the quintessential England somehow. And you studied also in um, Olive Witcher was there. Olive Witcher, yes. What age was she at that time? Oh, heavens. She seemed very old at the time, but then she went to live very much longer. So I don't know how old she was. And what did you, well, what did she teach? Projective geometry. And the point, I just remember, you know, illustrating the point of infinity. And it just these mind-boggling concepts, which I had never considered before. I'm not naturally a mathematical person, but this put the geometry and the whole con different concepts of space in a completely different light. You know, the point, the plane, and her just exquisite drawings, and then discovering uh, you know, on the on walls there were her illustrations of her her book, The Plant Between Sun and Earth, which are just so exquisite and you know, such a deep understanding of uh, you know, concepts of infinity and their and the, the expression of form on the earth. And the periphery. And the periphery. Just, yeah. yeah. The periphery. Absolutely the periphery. And she also did uh, spatial dynamics, which I, I did also. Paul Matthews, the poet, was apprenticing under her the spatial dynamics. And she would, it would be in the, in the, the main hall. She would be perched up on a, a table. She had to kind of, kind of, kind of would lightly leap onto a chair and then onto the table and do these, I mean, she hardly, hardly experienced gravity in a way. She just was held and she put her arms out to the side. It was, she was definitely held by something else. She was, you know, in the plane of infinity, you know, the periphery, twinkling at her fingers. It was extraordinary. And she would jump and leap and on this kind of rickety table and we would all hold our breath and hope nothing terrible would happen, but it never did. She was, it was extraordinary. She was the partner of George Adams, who translated Steiner's work into English. She was. What? It, she was. And now, and, and John Wilkes? John Wilkes. I, um... Explain who he is, so. Well, he's a sculptor extraordinaire. Um... So I, I, in the afternoons, you could choose kind of an activity to do, artistic activity, and I did sculpture um, for two terms because I was, it was just so deeply, deeply fascinating to me, this work with you know, movement, the development of, you know, of movement of form or the reading form and how it metamorph the metamorphosis of form. Just extraordinary. And at the time, he was developing the, the rubella flow forms. And he had studied with Schwang? 
or I don't know. I'm not sure who Jennifer has Jennifer Green. Jennifer Green studied. She was when I was at Emerson. Jennifer Green was there. I can't. I think she might have been in the foundation year, or she was doing the agriculture course. Studying or studying? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I she can't. was a student. Oh, yeah. I can't Somehow remember I never she think of doing. Do, being the position of a student. And Van James was studying art with Anne Stockton <laughs> and, you know, Kurt Falk. They were, that was before Tobias School of Art was founded. And I just remember Van James. I mean, he, you know, definitely punky. I mean, the, the hair, the whole style, attitude, <laughs> very definitely how many students were in this foundation course, this foundation year? Oh my, there might have been 80. That's a big class. 60, 80, it was big. Wow. It yeah. was big. There were a lot of people that I missed. I said it was in its... And the Eurythmic? Elizabeth Edmonds and um, Molly Von Heider. Oh, maybe a little since I've been a student. I can't remember if she was teaching in the Eurythmic training. She must have. But Molly Von Heider certainly was teaching it. There was Eurythmic training at Emerson for a while. And I did, I mean, I loved Eurythmic. I had a background in modern dance, folk dance, yoga, and Elizabeth Edmonds in the, the, in the summer term kind of pulled me aside and said, uh, have you considered doing training to be Eurythmist? And I kind of inwardly leapt back several paces and thought, oh my gosh, you know, that's a four-year full-time training and I haven't even finished my, my bachelor's degree yet. I have to go back to the States and finish that. I have another year to finish that and then I don't know what exactly is going to happen. I can't really commit myself to that. But it planted a little seed there, which then 12 years later, when my marriage was breaking up, you lived in England during that whole 12 years then? Yeah. After Emerson, you ended up moving? After Emerson, I went back to the States, got married, and then we moved to, to Forest Road. And my former husband was a class teacher at Michael Hall. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he English? No. No. But he had to work on the English accent because children did not know what an odd number was. <laughs> it had to be odd. It was Massachusetts? No, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. Wow. Odd number. So, uh, yeah. Where, so where then did you get your rhythmic training then? At Herador. Where is that? That's in East Winston, which is uh, near Forest Row. East Winston is at the end of one of the lines from Victoria Station. And uh, yes, I am. So I ended up doing, completing a rhythmic training, which. I never ever would have imagined at all. You know, just never know. Yeah. And, and then, then went on to teach at uh, Winstones in Gloucestershire, which was wonderful. And Winstones is, a, is just a, a, a wonderful Waldorf school. Um, it's just more in the country, uh, not as affluent as Michael Hall, um, you know, down to earth. More down to earth in my in my sense of it, and just wonderful people. I mean, wonderful people, of course, at Michael Hall, but um, I just had more of a soul connection, perhaps, with 
mm -hmm. people in the school. And you're with me, you were teaching that around the country or just in that school? No, no, just at Winston's. Wow. And before, before I started teaching at Winston's, I taught in a couple of uh, kindergartens, in one in uh, Tunbridge Wells in Kent nearby, and another up at, uh, in Sharpthorn at Hartley Hill. And then you became a Waldorf teacher. You got your Waldorf teacher certification. I did not do a Waldorf teacher training. In a way, I, I, uh, I helped my former husband a lot. I oh, he was a Waldorf. Training. He was a Waldorf. He, he did his Waldorf teacher training in Detroit, and I helped him with a lot of his artwork and a lot of other things. And you know, our children went through Waldorf education. I, before I did the teacher, the Walter, the, the uh, Rhythmy training, I was uh, assistant in Erica Grantham's playgroup at Michael Hall for a year and a half, which was wonderful. And she, you know, we studied together every morning, that usually the, having to do with the Four Seasons and the Archangels, and it was, it was a wonderful thing to do. Um, so I then, you know, taught you with me, and I guess I had been so, so fascinated by Waldorf education for so many years and being vicariously involved through my former husband that it was not a very big leap. Because I, you know, I did the foundation year. I was a member of this. I became a member of the school of spiritual science. So the concepts of the, you know, the the, the being of man of human of human being um, was not alien to me at all. I was familiar with that, and so I did uh, kind of a little week long in the preparation course. Um, in the summer, you know, before, actually no, it's not true, because I just jumped into teaching first grade, and then I did it, the preparation for teaching second grade in Sacramento, which was wonderful, wonderful. So I that's did, before I just Steiner did, College? It was that's a Rudolf yeah, Steiner College. Yeah, that's where yeah. students, Susan went. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it was just refreshing, the kind of a... a, a the West Coast approach, yeah. um, as compared to the English, English and East Coast, yeah. really more willing to, um, you know, look at where it is that you are teaching and the cultural, the culture of where of where where you're teaching and what is relevant for the time that we're in, and you know, just really looking at, you know, not just the old Steiner said this, Steiner said that, mm. the, in the Stockmark curriculum, um, but relating it to where the, where the world was, where the world is at the time, I, I really appreciated it. And exactly. when did you take on your first class? Well, I moved, I lived in England 26 years and moved back to the United States in January 2000 took the first nine-to-five job I had had since forever 
you know, going home and being able to do something else, not prepare lessons. I mean, that was extraordinary. Um, now I was earning peanuts. I worked at a picture framers in the corner at, uh, across from UVA in Charlottesville, um, Freeman Victorious. And uh, I'd made a little connection with the, the Charlottesville Waldorf School. Um, uh, oh, what is Schaefer? Mm -hmm. What's his name? I don't remember. No. Anyway, he came to the school. The school was going through a, a bit of a kind of inward looking, questioning, slightly crisis mode. I can think of his son's name, Thomas, and his wife, Signe. Oh, well, this is a senior moment. And so you were a class teacher there? Uh, not right away. I was part, I, they asked if, they, if I would do some eurythmy in this whole process. Perfect. So I did that and went back to my nine to five job. The first grade teacher abandoned her class in March, February and March, and they were somehow making do. Vivian Jones-Schmidt, it was the class above, and she had absorbed this little class into hers and was doing the best she could. And uh, the, college of, the chair of the College of Teachers, Chris Schaefer, sorry, yeah. Chris Schaefer, um, chair of the College of Teachers called me and said, you know, would you be interested in taking the class? I said, no. Um, and she called a second time. I said, no, you know, it's an impossible job. I haven't done the training. Um, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at telling stories, etc., etc. And the third time, he said, okay, I will come teach a, you know, a little sample lesson, you can observe me. And, which I did, and I fell in love with the kids. So that was it. Yeah, that's so what, I saw that's them what, through. Yeah. So I then I started after Easter, after the Easter break, and so we saw the end, saw the year through, and I went on to the second grade, with third that grade, group. with that group, third grade, and the fourth when we, the end of third grade, the class below mine that have foundered, the teacher left, and so I absorbed the class below, so we became a third, fourth grade. Um, and so I went third, fourth, fourth, fifth, fifth, sixth, and came to Atlanta. Atlanta was, uh, was Waldorf School was hosting. Which the, we know how that started. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The uh, Waldorf Olympics. Oh. Yeah, because my class wasn't allowed to do it, and because until it was fifth, sixth, and it was, it was wonderful. Atlanta hosted it so beautifully. And then after, after fifth, sixth grade, the, it just got too small. Parents, some parents were deciding, you know, they, they were sending their children somewhere. It was a very small class anyway. And there were three people, three children left. And the school decided, because of this history of classes, you know, getting small and the teacher leaving, decided that they would keep the class going. It was a bit of a loss, but they would, if the parents wanted. And I was prepared to do that, to see them through eighth grade. 
But, you know, just socially, how, how is that for a young person entering adolescence? So I, you know, I was, was okay either way. Uh, class did dissolve in the end, and there was an opening in early childhood. So I jumped into that and had a class of, I guess first of all it was 16 children for a couple of years and then became chair of um, early childhood and had 18 children, mixed age between uh, three and a half and six. Oh, beautiful. And was early childhood chair. We had, it was a very, very strong early childhood program. There were three kindergartens and two um, nursery groups. So it was 10 of us because each teacher had an assistant. And it was, you know, just trying to keep it organized and so on and so forth. Yeah, so that's. Did you teach here? No, no. I have not. When you left Charlottesville, that was. When I left Charlottesville, I left Charlottesville Waldorf School in the summer of 2009. Stephen, my husband, and I had decided, we, we decided to be together and moved to Whidbey Island in July 2009. Um, bought a house together and uh, it's wonderful. We have five acres. Uh, the, the, the soil, or lack thereof, is glacial moraine. So it's, you know, about creating soil, helping plants live and thrive. So I kind of put myself out to pasture, and it was possible for me to do that, which was wonderful. It's possible for you to make gorgeous gardens and yeah. extraordinary garlic yeah. and and so that's really and full time. and can and yeah, yeah, you deserve so that's full time. <laughs> and I personally had been a Waldorf widow, which is what they called it when I was at, at uh, when yeah. my former husband was teaching, because most of the Waldorf the class teachers were men. And you just, you know, you never saw your husband. And it's, I understand now, having been a class teacher, that it's just, it's a monastic existence. Yeah. It's so incredibly demanding. You know, Susan And just keeping up with the curriculum for the children and doing, you know, the best, giving your very best to the children. Which, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic experience. It's yeah, wonderful. I know. We were talking but about it's, I don't who know really calls forth these schools is not the parents or grandparents. The it's children. the children. It's the children. It's my daughter, Hope. Yeah. She drew, drew Theo Gimble into my life and then yeah. the, <laughs> Susan. And, yeah. And, and she was thinking doorknob when they were there for that year that they visited Steiner's home. Oh, really? So that, oh that yeah, they were able to tour his little house there in his cottage. and. Huh. And, and how he and Marie had separate bedrooms. Yeah. And he slept in this, on this cot in his bedroom. And I remember in well, Madison. hardly slept. I would imagine that was it. He hardly yeah. slept. Yeah. Um, and and I, when we were in Madison, the Anthroposophical Society had this beautiful placard saying, A Day in the Life of Steiner. And, you know, I had never stopped to consider Oh yeah, this unbelievable, unbelievable. The man was on trains every day of the week, yeah. going from I mean, from what I understand during the agriculture lecture, 
he was giving another lecture cycle simultaneously in another town. So he'd give the lecture in the morning, get on the train, go give the lecture there, come back to Koberwitz. And, and no wonder the man died early. I mean, he just couldn't wore himself out. He wore mm -hmm. himself out. And what oh, was very interesting, what she was saying about how he had a bathtub mm -hmm. in his bedroom, oh. and that they would fill it with hot water because he just, he, all of his body heat would leave because of his work, and they had to keep him hot wow. to get enough body energy into him to continue. Oh. No, you, you don't think about these things. But I mean, this man sacrificed so much. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it's extraordinary, and it's the body of work and nature of the work. Yeah, so we're all so lucky, and you to have some of the world top teachers at Emerson. Yeah, it was you know, lucky man, William Mann. History of Art, he did the morning course in the foundation year. Uh, Kuhn von Houten, who is extraordinary, that, the, the social um, you know, NPI, the, the threefold social order yeah. founded in the Netherlands. It, yeah, just extraordinary. And trying to remember the. And Stephen has some background, you know, back from Chadwick. Yeah, and, and, exactly. Um, yeah. Alan Chadwick. Well, and he and Chris Bird, my late husband, they pursued these topics of discussion. And certainly, Chris brought forward a lot of the Steiner book, I mean, right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Most of us, the first time we ever heard of Steiner. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and then when I was living in Forest Row, when I married and lived in Forest Row and I we, we didn't have start we didn't have children until I guess our uh, second third year of marriage. Two sons. And uh, I was Forest Row, you know, it's just it's a hotbed of anthroposophy. It's extraordinary. There's Michael Hall Emerson College, a Christian community in Ashurst Wood, which is just kind of out from Forest Row, up the hill. Um, it's Steiner teaching in England. I think someone yeah. told me he oh, actually yeah. lectured in he England. Did. 